Chapter Ten of Dark Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Dark Hollow by Anna Catherine Green. Chapter Ten. The Shadow. Bella was to be buried at four. As Judge Ostrander prepared to lock his gate behind the simple cottage, which was designed to grow into a vast crowd before it reached the cemetery, he was stopped by the sergeant who whispered in his ear, "'I thought your honour might like to know that the woman—you know the one I mean without my naming her—has been amusing herself this morning in a very peculiar manner. She broke down some branches in the ravine—small ones, of course— and would give no account of herself when one of my men asked her what she was up to. It may mean nothing, but I thought you would like to know. Have you found out who she is? No, sir. The man couldn't very well ask her to lift her veil, and at the tavern they have nothing to say about her. It's a small matter. I will see her myself today and find out what she wants from me. Meanwhile, Remember that I leave this house and grounds absolutely to your protection for the next three hours. I shall be known to be absent, so that a more careful watch than ever is necessary. Not a man, boy or child, is to climb the fence. May I rely on you? You may judge. On my return you can all go. I will guard my own property after today. You understand me, Sergeant? Perfectly, Your Honour. This ended the colloquy. Spencer's folly, as the old ruin of the bluff was called in memory of the vanished magnificence which was once the talk of the county, presented a very different appearance to the eye in broad daylight from what it did at night, with the low moon sending its mellow rays through the great gap made in its walls by that ancient stroke of lightning. Even the enkindling beams of the westering sun, striking level through the forest, failed to adorn its broken walls and battered foundations. To the judge, approaching it from the highway, it was as ugly a sight as the world contained. He hated its arid desolation, and all the litter of blackened bricks blocking up the sight of former feastings and reckless merriment, and above all, the incongruous aspect of the one gable still standing undemolished, with the zigzag marks of vanished staircases outlined upon its mildewed walls. But most of all, he shrank from sight of the one corner still intact where the ghosts of dead memories lingered, making the whole place horrible to his eye, and one to be shunned by all men how long it had been shunned by him he realized when he noticed the increased decay of the walls and the growth of the verdure encompassing the abominable place the cemetery from which he had come looked less lonesome to his eyes and far less ominous and for a passing instant as he contemplated the scene hideous with old memories and threatening new sorrows he envied Bella his narrowed bed and honourable rest. A tall figure and an impressive presence are not without their disadvantages. This he felt as he left the highway and proceeded up the path which had once led through a double-box hedge to the high, 
pillared entrance he abhorred scandal and shrank with almost a woman's distaste from anything which savoured of the clandestine yet here he was about to meet on a spot open to the view of every passing vehicle a woman who if known to him was a mystery to every one else his expression showed the scorn with which he regarded his own compliance yet he knew that no instinct of threatened dignity no generous thought for her a selfish one for himself would turn him back from his interview till he had learned what she had to tell him and why she had so carefully exacted that he should hear her story in a spot overlooking the hollow it would beseem them both to shun there had originally been in the days of spencer's magnificence a lordly portico on the end of this approach girt by pillars of extraordinary height but no sign remained of pillar or doorway only a gap as i have said towards this gap he stepped feeling a strange reluctance in entering it but he had no choice he knew what he should see no he did not know what he should see for when he finally stepped in it was not an open view of the hollow which met his eyes but the purple-clad figure of mrs Averill with little peggy at her side he had not expected to see the child and standing as they were with their backs to him they presented a picture which for some reason to be found in the mysterious recesses of his disordered mind was exceedingly repellent to him indeed he was so stricken by it that he had actually made a move to withdraw when the exigency of the occasion returned upon him in full force and with a smothered oath he overcame his weakness and stepped firmly up into the ruins the noise he made should have caused deborah's tall and graceful figure to turn but the spell of her own thoughts was too great and he would have found himself compelled to utter the first word if the child who had heard him plainly enough had not dragged at the woman's hand and so woke her from her dream ah judge ostrander she exclaimed in a hasty but ungraceful greeting you are very punctual i was not looking for you yet then as she noted the gloom under which he was labouring she continued with real feeling indeed i appreciate the sacrifice you have made to my wishes it was asking a great deal of you to come here but i saw no other way of making my point clear come over here peggy and build me a little house out of these stones you don't mind the child do you judge she may offer diversion if your retreat is invaded the gesture of disapproval which he made was courteous but insincere he did mind the child but he could not explain why besides he must overcome such folly now she continued as she rejoined him on the place where he had taken his stand i will ask you to go back with me to the hour when john scoville left the tavern on that fatal day i am not now on oath but i might as well be for any slip i shall make in the exact truth i was making pies in the kitchen when some one came running in to say that reuther had strayed away from the front yard she was about the age of the little one over here and we never allowed her out for fear of her tumbling off the bluff so i set down the pie i was just putting in the oven and was about to run out after her when my husband called to me from the front and said he would go i didn't like his tone it was sullen and impatient 
but i knew he loved the child too well to see her suffer any danger and so i settled back to work and was satisfied enough till the pies were all in then i got uneasy and hearing nothing of either of them i started in this direction because they told me john had taken the other and here i found her sir right in the heart of these ruins she was playing with stones just as peggy dear is doing now greatly relieved i was taking her away when i thought i heard john calling stepping up to the edge just behind where you are standing sir yes there where you get such a broad outlook up and down the ravine i glanced in the direction from which i had heard his call i just wait a moment sir i want to know the exact time stopping she pulled out her watch and looked at it while he faltering up to the verge which he had pointed out followed her movement with strange intensity as she went on to say in explanation of her act the time is important on account of a certain demonstration i am anxious to make you will remember that i was expecting to see john having heard his voice in the ravine now if you will lean a little forward and look where i am pointing you will notice at the turn of the stream a spot of ground more open than the rest please keep your eye on that spot for it was there i saw at this very hour twelve years ago the shadow of an approaching figure and it is there you will presently see one similar if the boy i have tried to interest in this experiment does not fail me now now sir we should see his shadow before we see him oh i hope the underbrush and trees have not grown up too thick i tried to thin them out to-day are you watching sir he seemed to be but he dared not turn to look both figures leaned intent and in another moment she had gripped his arm and clung there did you see she whispered don't mind the boy it's the shadow i wanted you to notice did you observe anything marked about it she had drawn him back into the ruins they were standing in that one secluded corner under the ruinous gable and she was gazing up at him very earnestly tell me judge she entreated as he made no effort to answer with a hurried moistening of his lips he met her look and responded with a slight emphasis the boy held a stick i should say that he was whittling it ah her tone was triumphant that was what i told him to do did you see anything else no i do not understand this experiment or what you hope from it i will tell you the shadow which i saw at a moment very like this twelve years ago showed a man whittling a stick and wearing a cap with a decided peak in front my husband wore such a cap the only one i knew of in town what more did i need as proof that it was his shadow i saw and wasn't it judge ostrander i never thought differently till after the trial till after the earth closed over my poor husband's remains that was why i could say nothing in his defence why i did not believe him when he declared that he had left his stick behind him when he ran up the bluff after reuther the tree he pointed out as the one against which he had stood it was far behind the place where i saw his advancing shadow even the oath he made to me of his innocence at the last interview we held in prison did not impress me at the time as truthful 
but later when it was all over when the disgrace of his death and the necessity of seeking a home elsewhere drove me into selling the tavern and all its effects i found something which changed my mind in this regard and made me confident that i had done my husband a great injustice you found what do you mean by that what could you have found his peaked cap lying in a corner of the garret he had not worn it that day the judge stared she repeated her statement and with more emphasis he had not worn it that day for when he came back to be hustled off again by the crowd he was without hat of any kind and he never returned again to his home you know that judge i had seen the shadow of some other man approaching dark hollow whose i am in this town now to find out End of chapter ten